I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Adam Pendlebury. And I'm Pete Reese. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Rotherham United nil, Wigan Athletic 2. So we'll start off with, for all you doubters who said one apiece. <laughs> you, I think, Barry. Pete got the result right, but Adam got the score spot on. First time in a long, long time that I've got it right. Long may it continue. What One other little start. Since Phil Keane sent me that very nice message wishing me well, he's not stopped scoring. Before the game, there was a little bit of rumblings on, on Twitter regarding team selection because there have been uh, certain players left out, other players brought in. I didn't make much of it. Lee Richardson's going with the tried and, and trusted. But what did you make? Did you... I was surprised uh, Shinny wasn't playing, given his recent run of form and recent run of Man of the Match awards. But I think it might have been Adam who made the, the point in a tweet, actually, that... Um... Oh, it might have been Pete Millward. Just give give Peter a shout out there. Is the number of matches we've got coming up, isn't it? He's I think he's probably rotating the squad. I think we're going to probably see another couple of changes again on uh, on Wednesday night. I don't think there's anything to see there. I mean, Callum Lang's probably injured if he's not on the bench. But how badly we don't know at the moment. Lang's injury stems back to that penalty incident at Uddersfield. He played with an injection against Reading. Obviously, they don't want to oh, keep okay. doing that. I think there's been a few cries for Broadhead to come in anywhere because he'd been playing well from the bench. Tom Naylor didn't really do much wrong, did he, in in, in the games that, he, that he'd actually played. Arguably, you'd say, you would have said Noembi had been better at right back than Derrickwa, although Derrickwa's done well this season. The, the Charlie White, I think, was inevitable eventually because I think he'll see White as his first choice striker. But we definitely need... Josh McGuinness because you know he, he plays a very important role in the team as well building on what, what Pete's just said I think it's about we do have the squad to rotate which I think is in, very important it's not like we're bringing in weaker players we're just bringing in maybe fresher players there was a bit of a, a cry also for Will Keane to be left out I, wherever that's come from I don't know what a goal he scored on 12 minutes fantastic goal from Keane his swift feet I put that down too because Charlie White knocked the ball back to him at some pace and he, and he managed to control an excellent shot into the top corner. Didn't you think though that Charlie White knew exactly where Will Keane was going to be and he, he found him exactly in the right place at the right moment. I thought it was a fantastic cutback. It shows his more and more I think his football intelligence and that they've got a good relationship those two haven't they on the pitch. It's his second assist now as well both from you know really good passes fair play to Charlie White. I think when if you remember the Sunderland fans they said well he scored goals at League One level but he didn't do anything else and we've got a much better player in Stewart I could tell within five or six games last year that his football intelligence was brilliant and he was just missing that goal and once he scored it you know, up until obviously the incident that happened, which he's done remarkably well to come back from. He looks like he's carried on that form as well, you know, and he, and if he doesn't score loads of goals, it doesn't bother me because he's he's offering so much to the team. I think his touch and technique are hugely underrated. That assist he created at Birmingham, he's, he brought the ball under control really well. And I think that's something we saw uh, again last season as well. Um, I'm, I'm hugely impressed by him. Usually impressed by Charlie White. 
The other thing with Charlie White yesterday was he, he was chasing down lost causes, and I think that go- that's what that that goal came from as well, because it was just knocked into a channel. Rotherham players were stood around. I mean, that the, the much vaunted Woods, tremendous defender, left him while he run for it. He managed to, to to pick it up and had the time to to pick out the pass. But there was instances throughout the game where he was chasing lost causes down. I, th- I thought he was excellent yesterday, and we'll come to that in a little while when we start talking about the man of the match. James McLean's clearance off Ogbeni's effort at 1-0, it was, it was something else, that, you know. Again, that never-say-die attitude in the team where the players don't give up those lost causes. Track right back onto the goal line, because that would have been some goal as well. If- Absolutely brilliant. But for the fact we had that clearance from uh, Kel Watts last year, if you <laughs> remember, I think it was at Burton, which was remarkable in itself. I think that would that McLean one would have been the best we'd seen in a while. It's just that that sort of tenacity, isn't it? And, and, and you know, the want to keep the goals the game itself, though, how it played out, I, I didn't feel like we was under the cosh. I know Rotherham had the chances. They're going to have chances in 90 minutes. But they're a very strong home side. And I thought I thought we'd limited them. Our midfield worked tremendously hard yesterday. Power and Naylor was superb for me. But also Tilton Watmore. I thought they were fantastic, yeah. especially Tilty. I think Tilty loves going to Rotherham, doesn't he, just to show them what they missed <laughs> out on. I know you want you come into man of the match in a minute, but I found it very difficult actually to to name an outstanding player yesterday because I thought everybody had a good game. Everybody stepped up to the plate and made sure we got those three points. And just mentioning something about James McLean, I have to put my hand up here and say I voted for him for man of the match because besides the the, the header off the line, which I thought was was athletically fantastic, I don't know how people do that to be running that way, running one way, and be able to head it away from goal the way the way that he did. I, I just think it's amazing. But he was so instrumental in in the second goal, wasn't he? He had that breakthrough through the middle, and I think if it hadn't got a slight deflection, he would have probably scored before um, it just slowed the ball down a little bit so that it gave the, the keeper an opportunity to come out and, and, and smother the ball. But then, of course, he made... Uh, well, he didn't get an assist for the second goal, but he certainly was a key contribution with that fantastic corner to the far post for Jack Watmore to head back. And I think this is something about James McLean that I, I think sometimes you're watching the match and you think he's not always brilliant. He's, he sometimes loses the ball. He sometimes allows us to be put under pressure with a, perhaps a, a silly foul or something. But the number of key contributions he makes, which lead to goals or, in, in, in this case, a, a defensive save, I think it's quite a sh- astonishing. It shows his value to the team. Not a lot to add, really, to what, what Pete said there, because I think it's, it just sort of epitomises what, what it's all about. And, you know, I think what a, a coup last year, last year to get him in at League One, because he's clearly showing that, at the championship level, he can still do it really well. I'm sure there are a lot of sides in the championship that wish they had a Jim, James McLean, and I think that's why he gets all this stick. But the problem, what they don't realise is, if you notice, James McLean's best games have tended to come away from home. It seems to give him that little bit extra. Well, we're talking about performances. We're just going to come on to one of the match now. One of the things that I think I, had to, I have to bring up was... Uh, Matt last week from from the Rotherham podcast mentioned Brooke Norton Cuffey. And I don't think it was exaggerating about how good he is. Oh, yeah, what a fantastic player, really. 18 years of age. I thought he got better as the game went on as well. I thought first half, he, uh, James McLean seemed to be able to nullify him by and large. But the number of times he seemed to be in a tight spot in that second half and somehow come out with the, the, the ball when there was two, three players around him, it was quite amazing. And he can certainly put a cross in as well. He, he was by far and away their best player, wasn't he? He was um, 
very yeah. dangerous for them. The biggest compliment I can pay him is that he looked like a poor man's Reese James. He was nowhere near Reese James's standard because he is I- the greatest loan player of all time. But <laughs> he was good. I wouldn't have minded him coming towards anyway. Let's get on to uh, man of the match because we've talked enough about performances. Uh, Pete, you said you you opted for you said you opted for James McLean. I personally went for Charlie White for his overall contribution and the fact that it was his first start, which mm-hmm. I think he, again it's them emotional things, isn't it? What is and he put the effort he put in. Adam, did you have a personal favourite from the no, game? I actually, I forgot to put the vote in, but it would have actually been James McLean, but I don't know if that changes anything. No, that would have been two votes for James McLean, so no, it, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've, I've got to give a big shout out as well, because you you mentioned earlier on, Adam, about people being crying for, for Broadhead to start, Nathan Broadhead. And I thought he was very, very good yesterday. And, and after the game, Radio Manchester phoned me up, and I spoke with... <laughs> Yes, and I spoke with uh, Malcolm Christie, the ex Derby County player, and he said he was very impressed with Nathan Broadhead as well. His, his, his touch, his pace, the way he played his football. And actually, he said he was very impressed with us too, so that, that was good. So mm. thank you for that, Malcolm. Malcolm Christie likes the Latics. Thank you very much. Without further ado, Barry Worthington is now going to announce the man of the match for the, for the game at Rotherham United, as voted for by the Progress with Unity listeners on both Facebook and on Twitter. And it is Latics number nine, Charlie Wyke. So fantastic stuff from Big Chaz. I'll just say, Barry, on that, I can't knock that, can you, for his assist and his work rate. Stats from the game. We had 46% possession. Shots, both sides had 14 apiece. Rotherham with four on target, the Latics with five. Rotherham won the corner count, eight to four, but we scored a goal off her, so that's all what matters. Fouls. He let a lot go yesterday, did Andy Davis. It ended 9-8, Rotherham committing more fouls. Four yellows in the game with the Latics just picking up one. Ben Amos for time wasting. I know we complained about Reading wasting time a couple of weeks ago, but game management, isn't it? You know, it is frustrating. It needs sorting, but until it is sorted, use it to your advantage. The attendance yesterday was 10,761, with 1,700 travelling over the Pennines from Wigan. Fantastic away supporters, always. Well, we're off up the M62 on Wednesday evening, trip to Umberside to face Hull City. And I'm delighted to say we've got Ant Graves joining us. Hull City supporter and podcaster, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. Are you? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, we're buzzing at this end. Yeah, it's contrast to us then. <laughs> yeah. Straight into that, talking about your start. You've lost four on the bounce now. Sorry, five on the bounce. Mm, is it a worry? It is at the minute, or it was really before we got rid of the manager. You know, on paper, we had a really good start to the season. We were, you know, we drew away at Burnley, we beat Norwich at home. You know, these teams that are going to be up in, you know, challenging for the automatic places and it looked okay but there was worries that we weren't actually creating that many chances in these games we kind of had the fortune of Estepinian just kind of having like a 50% conversion rate or something ridiculous and obviously we knew that was going to end at some point there was slight worries that you know we needed to start creating more chances and we were conceding goals but it's okay when you're scoring too what happens when the scoring dries up we were still conceding loads of goals. Like we've got the worst defence in the country. Where we've lost six of the last seven games, and and that win was at home against Coventry, which Estepinian got one of the most fortunate hat tricks I think I've ever seen. You know, it's it's got to a point where we don't really have any playing identity. He doesn't know his best formation. He doesn't know his best system. The players look disorganised. It's well documented. We've signed a lot of players in the summer. We've tried to transform it from you know a League One standard squad to one that can challenge up the top end of the division. And you know, when you're bringing in players that's got a mixture of various abroad leagues and he's got to have time to gel but then you know we've had 
many, many injuries. Like we've just been hit with a massive injury case. I mean, even our owner had a motorbike crash in Istanbul, so it's even got to the owner. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, we've not really seen our strongest 11 yet. And it's been really tough because there's a lot of players in that side that probably won't be in it when all the players are fully fit, like Ryan Longman and perhaps Callum Elder, players like that. But, you know, we just need the right manager now to try and steer the ship steady. Bit of championship experience, hopefully. Just wait for some of our key players to come back from injury and, and see if we can recover the season. I was looking at your results and it seemed to me that the turning point was the game away at West Brom. Well, you, you know, you got you got a bit of a tater in your five two. Was the writing on the wall for the manager from that game? Uh, the West Brom game was actually a weird one because we actually played well against West Brom and the 5-2 um, was quite flattering because uh, it could have been easily 5-2 to us as well. You know, we were quite unlucky with some of the chances we had and they just scored a couple of long ranges, shots you couldn't do much about kind of thing and we were very unlucky. But no, we, we were still positive after the West Brom game and then obviously we beat Coventry at home and we thought it would go normal, services resumed. It were, For me, it was the QPR game. Um, I went to the QPR game. It was a Tuesday night midweek. You know, we were just awful from the first minute to the last. We were we were second best all over the pitch, and, and that was a real worry. And then the the one bright spark was that we seemed to be winning at home. So you know, the away form was was poor, but when we returned back to home, and and then we started losing three 0 at home regularly, and it's like this is this is going to become a problem now. And when, and when you get into these bad runs in the championship, it's so difficult to get out of them, especially when you've got the amount of injuries that we have. It's 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 so tough to change the team enough to to revitalize the squad. We're in a rut, and it's and it's going to be a struggle to get out of it I think one silver line and you mentioned him before you've got a beast up front haven't you seven goals so far this season yeah Oscar Estepinian he's he's a Colombian international we didn't really know you know he scored I think it was 15-16 goals in the Portuguese league um, I think he was fourth top scorer and one of the players that scored more than him was Nunes who's gone to Liverpool now but he's 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 an absolute workhorse like we're not used to having a striker that just puts himself in the right place at the right time uh, and he's one of those he's at his six yard box Always will put himself in a goal-scoring opportunity. Creates goals himself by relentlessly pressing the centre backs. You know he'll give away a few fouls because he's 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 not he's not shy of a challenge either, which is quite odd for a striker. He's 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 happy to get stuck in. Uh, if we could give him service, he'd be a 20-25 goal a season striker. But at the moment, he's very isolated. And like I say, yeah, he scored those seven goals, but they were all in August. We've not scored since August, so you know we've got a problem where the midfield really aren't getting to a point where they can support him. So, yeah, we need to we need to start getting service to him and, and hope he can get back on the goal trail. The situation you're in at the moment, we spoke off, you know, before we started, spoke about your owner and and I was wondering whether, you know, you put any blame on him for the current situation you are, especially with, like, bringing in the, the head coach and that. How is your new owner? Because I know the last lot weren't highly regarded, were they? No, they were not. Your new owner's amazing. We all love him. You know, he's coming in, he's brought fans back, he's brought feel good back, he's in the fans, he's in the pubs before games drinking with us and, um, you know, he even went and visited somebody's house just because he had a Turkish flag in the name on Twitter and things like that and the, and the club put a video out, he was mad. He's taking some, a, a couple of hundred fans and a five-star holiday to Turkey, all expenses paid. You know, he, he genuinely does love the city and what he said, I, I don't think anything he says is 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 a lie. Um, I do think he has the best interest of the club at heart. I just think perhaps he's maybe been a bit naive in in, in underestimating the championship. I think maybe he thought he could bring in a lot of the because he's obviously got a lot of contacts in the Turkish leagues. Uh, you know, your top top Turkish sides like Fenerbahce players like uh, teams like that they've got players that have regularly won trophies over there. Um, he's perhaps thought he can bring a few of them here and it'll just be instant success. But 
you know, the championship's one of the hardest leagues in the world. And I think he's learning that now. Uh, Shotter was very good for, for his last season in the sense of, you know, we stayed up comfortably with with quite an average squad. We we were kind of giving him a blank slate this season because we were supposed to get exciting attacking football. That's what Ajin wants us to do. Um, he wants the fans to be entertained, like he said on Sky Sports, which I think he worded wrong. He did say, I think I'd rather lose 3-2 than draw 0-0, which obviously is stupid because 0-0 is a point. But I think he meant I'd rather lose 3-2 than 1-0. He just, you know, a bit of translation lost. But Shotter this season was meant to be on the front foot attacking and we've really, really not seen that. We've actually signed far superior attacking players and got worse, which I think was the reason that Shotter's eventually gone because Ajin wants the fans to be, you know, entertained. He wants fans to come back to the stadium and he doesn't want them to come here and watch us th- lose 3-0 to Stoke. You know, we, we, we've we got to be winning games and, and scoring lots of goals in doing so. Players like Dimitris Pelkas and Ozan Tufan, John Michael Sari, who's just won the league with Fulham. On paper, these players are phenomenal and we just don't seem to be creating chances. So, yeah, I think the writing on the wall for him was has been on for a few weeks now, but I think the timing was just ridiculous. He should have got rid of him at the beginning of the international break. So he had two weeks to, you know, install a new manager and and, and not have that added pressure of a game and to get used to the players and things like that. Um, but a few hours before Luton is definitely a bit odd. Chucked uh, poor Andy Dawson under the bus, really, with that one, because uh, nothing really changed. Yeah, so, so Andy Dawson's in charge at the moment, temporarily. Who are the names in the frames? And out of all those, which one would you prefer? The sky bet odds at the minute are a bit crazy because obviously... With it's with, with what Ajin and Illigel has been saying about you know wanting to bring Turkish coaches in, and he did so with Shotter. Obviously, he's Georgian, but he's, he knows him from being over in those leagues. Um, you know, the the former Fenerbahce boss, I think, is is can't remember his name, was the favourite for it. But it, it has been reported by our local journalists that he said he's going to look for the Championship experience managers. So I think taking out all of the Turkish league owners, the favourite for it is Carlos Corbran, who was obviously at Huddersfield and just got it relieved of his duties at uh, Olympiacos, I believe. There's Carlos Corbran's been mentioned, Chris Hewton. I'd, I'd like to see us maybe pursue Rob Edwards, uh, that's just got the chop at Watford, quite unfairly, I think. You know, maybe even try and push the ball out, try and go for Shrefer, see if you could convince Bielsa to come, something like that. You know, it's just how how lucrative is Hull City, though? That's the problem, isn't it? You know, you've got to you've got to try and realistically believe who's going to want to come here. But I, I do think that having a, an ambitious owner that's willing to back somebody is a big plus for somebody trying to come in. And, and it definitely needs to be somebody with championship experience um, or else we, we, we might not get out of this rut. It's it's one of these. In, he's new to football management, is Ajin. He is a football fan, but he is new to football. Obviously, earning ownership, whatever the word is. Um, but he's it's 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 definitely going to be a test now to see what kind of owner he wants to be or what he can be in terms of giving managers time. I do think that if Shotter, if the performances were better despite the results, I do think he Shotter would have remained. I think it's the 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 fact that we were losing games heavily but also playing really poorly in them, which has led to shots of going. Because I do think that Ajin would be okay if we were playing all right. Like I said, if the fans, you know, could come away from a game feeling like we were lucky there, we played well. Like at West Brom, from, from that point onwards, we've just been really poor. And, you know, you can't forgive some of the performances we've seen in the last few weeks. Really, really poor. The players for us to look out for as Latix fans? Yeah, on his on his day, if he fancies turning up, Ozan fan is absolutely brilliant. He's, he's, I think he struggles in a side that's on the back foot. Uh, he doesn't really want to put himself about and defend, but he's, he's one of those luxury players that if you're attacking, though, you know, he's, he's eye for goal, uh, he's incisive passes that can break defences. He's one of those players, very dangerous. If you can get him in that number 10 area, just in front of your back four, he's very, very, very dangerous. So I'd definitely say keep an eye on him because if he's on his game, he's, 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 he's some player. 
obviously Siri won the title with Fulham last season he can dictate a game easily so if you give him time and you don't press him he could easily just orchestrate the entire game from start to finish if you press him though you know you could you can keep him quiet he's even ended up being dropped onto the bench lately I, I, I do expect Greg Doherty to start to be fair because he came on and made, made a real difference Dogagan Cynic actually uh, Turkish international we signed he's only we signed and then he got injured instantly uh, but he's only just made his debut for us against Luton on Friday but he came on and he looked a level above I do think he's going to be a good player and I hope he starts other than that Regan Slater's Mr. Consistent at the minute absolute workhorse in midfield he has to be sometimes because I think Siri and Tufan don't really do the defensive work so it's, it's up to Paul Slater uh, I would normally also say Jacob Greaves in defence but since signing his contract he's been quite poor um, so uh, yeah it's been a bit of worry our defence is definitely our weakest point if you can get set pieces in the box and you're always you're probably going to score one or two of them. But yeah, I'd say Ozan Tufan, Siri and Cynic, they're on their game, can control any game. How did you see Wednesday night going? Do you know what? I, I was I was fairly optimistic on our episode last night and I said that we're going to win 1-0 and it'll be Jacob Greaves' first Hull City goal in the 91st minute to get us out of the rut. I, I did that more out of hope than, than expectation. The problem is with us at the minute, if we concede first, we will lose and we'll probably lose by two or three because we just can't seem to score at the minute. I would like to see us try and at least get on the front foot from the first minute. If we can score the first goal, it might be that that moment that changes everything because we're quite good at seeing games out when we're winning but I'm, I'm fully expecting a 2-0 Wigan win unfortunately thank you very much for that before you go could you tell our listeners where they can find your podcast if you want to pick a, a preview up of Wednesday night's game absolutely uh, we are on YouTube we do both video and audio all of your usual audio platforms like Spotify uh, Apple uh, Google all the usuals and then you can watch us on YouTube we do a preview show just before a game we're also up for the Football Content Awards finalist for Best EFL Podcasts if if any Wigan fans would um, like to vote for us um, we, we would be <laughs> very very happy about that uh, we're up against some good pods so we need all the support we can get it's to Hull and back uh, so just search us on Twitter or Facebook whichever your platform is it's at Hull underscore and underscore back on Twitter if you want to find us. All of our stuff's usually on Twitter, so yeah, we can find us there. One of my favourite names of a podcast, to Hull and Back. That was a fantastic uh, Only Fools and Horses episode uh, back in the day. But anyway, let's get on to the football. I thought it was a fantastic contribution again. I think it's a fair assessment of where Hull are this season. Great start. Couldn't stop scoring goals. I have to say, I didn't really expect them to do well at the start of the season. And I didn't know enough about the manager. I thought it was a bit of a risk. The results have gone, let's just say, a little bit dicey. I did like his uh, challenge to your point that the the 5-2 against West Brom could have gone either way, which is unusual for a 5-2. One thing that, for me, seems to stand out, well, there's two things, actually, that stand out. One is great for us because, again, we scored from a set piece yesterday, a well-worked one. It's so obvious, you know, the Beatties and the Kellys of this world alongside Richardson uh, are really getting those set pieces spot on the best the set pieces have been in a long time for Wigan Athletic uh, he said that they're very weak on set pieces so let's try and get that corner count up as much as we can on uh, on Wednesday night the other one was a number of individual players were uh, were mentioned two form 
who seems like one of those players who turns up when he wants. A bit of a luxury player. If it's not going well, which it isn't doing at the moment, might not show. I think he's been left out recently. You've got that experience of, uh, I think it's Seri who came in from Fulham, who obviously won the title last year. Then this not wanting to be a cynic. Well, let's bring Cynic in. Uh, Turkish international who got injured early on in the season, as he said, but could dominate. But I think we've got the right type of player to, you know, the likes of if we've got your nailers, your shinnies, your powers. You know, they're used to playing these quality mid- midfielders. The other thing is, is that rival fans rarely go for a win for the opposition team. So I don't think he's feeling particularly confident at the moment. But yeah, very interesting. Again, really enjoyed the yeah, the, the insight. Uh, and I enjoyed the fact that uh, he's backing us to win. The referee for Wednesday's meeting with Hull City is Andy Woolmer from Northamptonshire. The 56-year-old has been a Football League referee since 2004 and last ref the Latics back in August when we drew one apiece with West Brom. And this will be Woolmer's 14th Latics game of his career. So for this season, Woolmer has taken charge of eight games and five of those were in the Championship. He's issued 32 yellows, one red, and awarded one penalty. The last time Woolmer was in charge of a Hull game was last season, and it was their 1-0 win away at Borough back in April. Previously, we've played Hull City 28 times. We've had the upper hand on the whole, winning 12 losing nine and seven draws. The first meeting came way back in season 81-82, when we gained our first ever promotion as a football league side. And we did the double over them uh, in that campaign, winning 2-0 at Boothbury Park and 2-1 in the return fixture at Springfield Park. Our last meeting came at the KC Stadium last season on August the 10th, an EFL Cup tie. Stevie Humphreys scoring in the 50th minute to give us the lead, but Hull equalised five minutes later and the game ended 1-1, going to a penalty shootout on Latics winning 8-7. I've never been to the KC Stadium, but I, I went to Boothbury Park more than once and that was used to fascinate me that they had a, a, their little train stop, Boothbury Halt, I think it was. You could get a train from um, Hull Central Station to um, right to the ground and you just literally got off and walked down the terraces. It was fantastic. That's, that's, that's my kind of biggest memory of Boothbury Park, but I think the most significant significant fixture we've had recently was, uh, well, none of us were there at the the match, was uh, two seasons ago when, despite losing at Hull City to a a very good team that season, I guess Josh McGuinness was playing for them then. We lost a penultimate match of the season, but we still ended up staying up thanks to Liam Richardson's efforts and and, and everybody else against all the odds. I think that was the match where they filmed the team singing, don't you know, pump it up in the dressing room and so on. So that's that's quite a happy memory, I think, for everybody of... uh, of the KC Stadium. So it's funny, isn't it, that that was the ticks of staying up and uh, and a year on, it's the ticks of going up that worked very well to the same tune. I did go to the old ground and what I remember, it was quite late, it was about, probably about 96, 97 and it was falling to pieces at that point. So, so, so that's why... Obviously, that KC Stadium, which is a you know very good stadium, visited it on a number of occasions. But the the obvious one that stands out. 
for me is of course the 5-0 uh, away win which was our biggest winning away win in the Premier League I remember Zaki scoring a couple that day and I remember Valencia scoring what was if it had been scored by a, a Man United or Arsenal at the time they'd have said it was a fantastic breakaway goal that has to be my memory Every time you mention Hull City I, I, my man oh, always goes back to 1987, the FA Cup, fifth round at Springfield Park. They were a good side back in them days. That little midfielder called Billy Askew. I'm sure he played at Blackpool as well. Might be mistaken, but I'm sure he did. Ginger Erd lad in midfield. And we were a couple of goals up, but he was running the game and they took him off. And you could feel the, the relief around Springfield Park as this, this tormentor had gone off and, and we went on to win the game 3-0. Talking of fantastic games, let's move on to Wednesday. Our trip to Hull City for predictions. I think we'll shuffle the pack out on Wednesday, make a couple of changes just to keep everybody really fresh. It's not going to be an easy game, even though it looks like they've had the stuffing knocked out of them a little bit. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Latics win. We're in a similar position to going to Rotherham in that they're currently managers, managerless, rudderless, leaderless. I think that, again, that's a big opportunity for us. More than anything, though, given their position in the league, I think the perhaps the biggest danger for us in, is in our own minds that we go there and underestimate them. So I can see this one perhaps not going to plan. I'm just going to go for a nil-nil draw. I think, again, another couple of changes, but minor changes, I think, to the uh, to the starting lineup. There might be more changes maybe on Saturday, given that that's a home game. And I think that's something that Liam has alluded to himself that he needs to look at. You know, So maybe that'll be where there are more changes. So maybe one or two changes. I'm pretty confident at the moment. I, th- I think if we score the first goal, I can't see them getting anywhere near us because it looks like they'll have two or three players. They'll spit the dummies out. So I'm going to go, let's go 1-0 half-time, 3-0 full-time. Oh, you've, you've done it now, haven't you? Yeah, you've, you've got one right and you think, here we go, here we go. <laughs> when Charlie White was taken off, he looked absolutely shattered, which was entirely understandable given the way that he played the shift he put in. So I can, I can given the way that they have to protect him and so on, I can well see that he won't be playing on, on Wednesday, but might be wrong about that. But I think he might be one of the players who's shuffled out and perhaps brought on again for... Both Keane and uh, McGuinness, but you played for all, and we actually signed McGuinness from all as well, didn't That's we? So, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, you, like, you always like them, don't you? You always like going back to the former clubs. Yeah, that's, mm. that's a good one, that, Peter. I like that. McGuinness, let's get him in. With the game being on Wednesday, we'll be back on Thursday with all the reaction to the Old City game and we'll be looking forward to Cardiff City at the DW Stadium at the weekend. So until Thursday, it's a goodbye from me and up the ninth in the Championship ticks. The ticks are going up. Up the ticks. <laughs> up the ticks. Come on. 